Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. It's good to have uh, Bill Pepper with us this morning. Uh, we've supported he and Carlene as missionaries for several years. Uh, if you know, if you don't know Bill, um, if you know him, you know his story. But if you don't know him, he was called to Peru as a young man and a uh, young single unmarried man and went down trusting the Lord and met his wife on the mission field. And uh, they've worked for several years. They've spent their lives building and strengthening churches around the world. But I, I think the keystone of their ministry has been the mission work to Peru, where they've established a network of churches on the Amazon River Basin. Uh, since then, he's pastored. He's taught leaders on, I, I just had to guess on this, five continents. Does that sound right? Australia? 53 countries. And uh, that is North America, South America, Asia, Europe, Africa. Um, overseeing teams going to Peru recently. He traveled to Pakistan and Ghana and West Africa. Uh, they have uh, three kids, four kids, three kids, ten grandkids, ten great-grandkids. Uh, he hunts and he fishes and he serves the local church. That sounds like an Alaska, <laughs> Alaska minister, doesn't it? Um, Bill is in his 80s, and he's not let that slow him down too much. I thought of uh, some lines from a Tennyson poem. I thought I'd read that if it's not too pretentious. How dull it is to pause, to make an end, to rust unburnished, not to shine in use, as though to breathe were life. Some work of notable note may yet be done, not unbecoming men that strove with God's. For Ulysses, who this poem's about, it was wonderlust that kept him going. For Bill, it's making the most of every opportunity to serve God. Our missionaries show us that purpose is worth the price, that life with God doesn't have to be dull. There's better vision than the American dream. If uh, you're young, I would encourage you to look to Bill and Rob today. And notice that they've given their lives to missions, and there's joy and not regret. If you're in the middle, there's more. Okay, Uh, Rob was telling us Wednesday that he was called to be to the Philippines at 40. So if you get through your 30s and you're not overseas yet, you're not out of the you're not off the hook. (laughs) It still may happen. Uh, If you're older, don't think you're done. So, Bill, welcome you. God bless you. What a joy to be with you again. I really love Maranatha Church. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. If Carlene and I lived in Anchorage, this would be our home church. Hands down, wouldn't even be a question. You guys are blessed in so many ways here. Maybe you don't realize that because you don't travel like I do and see what else is out there. You're blessed. So don't even think about going anywhere else. And if you're looking for a new church, this is it. All right. So I want to thank you for your prayer for us, number one. I mean, that's huge. My wife is 82. I'm 81. So, yes, we are officially old dudes. And uh, she had COVID. Then she fell down twice, busted and totally destroyed her rotator cuff. The surgeon said, I cannot 
fix it. Can't be done. He said, but I'm going to send you to a therapist just to see what little relief you might get. When the therapist saw the pictures, the whole bit, they did all kinds of stuff. She looked, I was there that day, and she looked so depressed. <laughs> In other words, like, why are you even here, lady? <laughs> well, she went, but, you know, the Holy Spirit was doing something. And so we're now eight, nine weeks into it. She can lift her arm up like this. They cannot understand it. They said that's impossible. You can't do that. I've seen the pictures. It's, there's nothing left. So God's doing something that even they don't understand, and I'm hoping that the surgeon will write off to that at the end so we can publish that as a miracle. That's one. So continue to pray for her. She overdid it yesterday. That's my wife. When she gets on a project, look out. Wow. <clears throat> and so she was just like this. And uh, we have all 10 of our great-grandkids in Alaska, three of them right across the street. So you can imagine, oh, boy. We love it. We love it. Good to have David back in Alaska where he belongs. <laughs> Why would he not be when all of his grandkids are here? And so we just thank you for your prayer as we travel around the world and your monthly support of $300 faithfully. You never miss with that. Any missionary will tell you monthly support is imperative. It means more than even the occasional offering because then you can know what you're doing and pay the bills and keep marching forward. Quickly to tell you and give you a report on my Ghana and Pakistan trip that I was on just last month. <clears throat> In Ghana, my second time there, there is a young apostle who all of a sudden has had a lot dumped on him. They have a Bible school, a church, and he also helps to oversee three other churches. And all of a sudden, the main well, the only real supporter that they had in the United States, that church just went like this, and they told him, this is the last money we're sending. So instantaneously, they have to become an indigenous church. Now, they do well in self-propagating. They do well in self-governing. But now they're going to have to figure it out for self-financial. So pray for them. But while I was there, I was able to give them some thoughts on that, some prayer. We made some contributions to help them get started. We had an excellent time. I mean, just, oh, just precious people drinking in the word. We had three-day conference. I did all the ministry morning, noon, and night except for two hours. So you figure the rest how that went. Now, when you're 81, if you want to see a literal walking miracle, that's me. At 81, you shouldn't be able to go halfway around the world, the time change, the bed, the food, the everything else, you know, and then preach constantly after you've gotten off the airplane. Hmm, how about that? Well, the Lord did it. We had a great time with them. They were extraordinarily blessed. So in our newsletter, which should come out, you should have it within two weeks. It will give you more details. So pray for Ghana. Then Pakistan, that is just off the charts, blowing my mind. Last time I was there last year, I met a man who is the most influential man, especially in the northern half of Pakistan. He's been a 30-year worker over there. And when he heard me, he said, I have to have lunch with this man. That would be like Franklin Graham saying, I have to have lunch with him. You know, he said, what? This guy went. And he said, we've never had preaching like this. He said, you're ringing the bell with the people. 
your illustrations, your testimonies, along with the word, they're getting it. He said, we need this. Will you come to northern Pakistan? So we made plans to do all that. We did get to Lahore, but the thing that I, I, I was uneased somewhere in there about the Islamabad thing, that's the second holiest site in Islam, <clears throat> but we set the meeting up, and then what happened there was a political war going on where people were dying. The government shut down the city. Nobody could get in. You could leave, but you couldn't get in. So we couldn't have the meeting there. But a lot of those leaders did leave and came down to the meeting in Lahore, about three hours south of there. We do plan to go back to Islamabad next year as long as there's not a war taking place or something going on. There's great danger there because uh, most uh, radical Muslims do not appreciate Jesus, the Bible, church, Christians, preachers, etc. But that's on the agenda next year. In Karachi, the small city now, they say between 28 and 30 million people in one city. You think New York is busy? <laughs> I mean, it can be two in the morning when you're coming back from a meeting and the eight-lane highways are jammed. 30 million people. Wow. Well, we had several conferences there. Uh, they expected 400. I think it was almost five at the one. They said at least 450. And the other one, we were expecting 500, almost 600 showed up. And then people are standing and people are outside hearing the word, drinking the word in, responding in powerful ways. So it was just amazing. Again, more details in the newsletter to come. Do pray for our plans for that for next year because what we're trying to put together somehow at their, you know, when I go, I salute the leader and I say, what would be the best thing to do? What do you feel would be the most productive, the most beneficial that brings glory to God and strengthens the work? So they want to do a major leaders meeting in Karachi. That's going to be in the fall of next year. So remember that one. But I take off in January to go to Belize, and that's a new one for me. This is a group of spirit-filled Mennonites in Belize. That's a long story, I'll tell you. My first time there, I'll tell you more about that next time I'm here. That's January, okay? And I'm uh, one of the two speakers at their main conference in mid-January. That's going to be interesting and exciting. Then in February, India, mm, I think that's about the third week. Again, you'll have more details. And I'm hoping that a lady on the front row can come along with my granddaughter, Carly. It's always good, especially in Asia, to have women praying for women. It's not impossible for the men to pray, but it's just better because sometimes after you pray for somebody, the ladies just need a hug. And she'll be good at giving hugs as well as praying. So let's hope and pray that that all works out, that her health and finance and everything is there. And so if God makes the way for her, and she's got to tell me pretty quick absolutely here because we need another lady to go along with Carly. So we're hoping this is the lady. All right. And then in the future, who knows where you and I will be together. So, you know, you have to have people that can move in the spirit. You have to have people that know how to salute the leader. I'm not the leader. I may be the team leader of the group from the States, 
But I, the first thing I do in most countries, I go like this to the top leader. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to do what you would ask me to do. Now, if you're asking me to do something I've never done, well, <laughs> that'd be like uh, him saying my transmission's out. Would you help me put it together? Major mistake. Don't, don't even go there. And so I tell them there's certain things that I just would rather not deal with, but these are the dozen things that I would be glad to serve you in. Every once in a while, though, they pull a deal, and you're doing something you never thought you would do. But thank you for your prayers. That is essential. Can you imagine me going? I preached in the States on a Sunday. I'm on the plane Monday to Ghana, get off the plane. We're doing the meetings there straight through, leave there, get on a plane, and then go back through Qatar, which is where they're having the big soccer thing going on, and then from there to Pakistan. You know how many hours that was in airports and on airplanes? I call it from bed to bed. When I got up in the morning and left to when I get to the next bed, 32 hours. Try that and then preach that night. And so you are looking at, I mean, God's doing something. That isn't normal for anybody to do that, let alone an 81-year-old old dude. So keep praying, please, please. When you pick up the pepper shaker, if you drink Dr. Pepper, remember, pray for the peppers. All right. So Lord bless you. Now this morning... As you leave, and somebody can pick them up at the end of the service, there's some notes on the message so that you don't have to worry about taking notes. The title would be, In the Moment with God to Obey. In the Moment with God to Obey. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Maranatha. I thank you for this dear couple that leads the work here, their love, their anointing, their sacrifice, their commitment. Continue to bless them in every way, and this church, in Jesus' name, amen. By the way, every once in a while, I hope every one of you out here thinks to give them a mega blessing. In other words, a big check or a stack of $100 bills. Oh, 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 but we tithe. Oh, oh, oh. There are offerings above tithes. And the missionary sitting here in the third row said, yes, <laughs> because sometimes you need that. And uh, so be sure you bless them so much so that they're astounded. They pour their lives out for you in this church and this community and even around the world. Bless them. You'll be blessed to do that. All right. Let's look, first of all, at Proverbs. We're starting in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 34. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Now, sometimes when we are at a doorway, you know, you ring the bell, you knock, whatever, and we're invited in. In the case of the Lord, that would be inviting in for fellowship, for prayer, for listening, for instruction. But at other times when you knock at a door, It's because you're waiting for that person to come out and go with you. And I want to talk about that element this morning. We need to be watching for his opportunity. We need to be waiting for him always in any aspect and then listening to his direction. In other words, attune your spirit 
to the Holy Spirit. So many opportunities are lost because we're so busy. And boy, I, I know all about that. And many times I have to say, oh, Lord, I missed it today. That's why when you leave your home in the morning, after you've cared with family and done whatever, you had prayer with them and you made breakfast or you did whatever, and you're getting ready to leave, ask the Lord, is there someone out there that I need to touch for you? Some years back, I was driving to the home of Barry Bivens, a man that goes to Peru frequently, I don't know how many, 20, 30 times. He's almost up with your Mike Sandstrom relative. I think they're in the 30s somewhere of trips to Peru. At any rate, I said to Barry, I said, Barry, every time I come to your house, I drive past Brushy Fork Baptist Church. I said, Barry, have you talked to that pastor about missions? He said, they're Baptists. I said, I don't care what they are. I said, there's something Brushy Fork Baptist Church right down the road from you. I said, Barry, talk to that pastor. Now, usually I'm not quite that blunt, but that is my fault. If I have a big fault, that's it. I'm, I'm so direct, so blunt. If you ever, you know, <laughs> ask me for counsel, fasten the seatbelts. You may hear something, you know. Now, see, you have a very loving, gracious, gentle, patient, good man here. He and I are probably 180 opposites in that area. But uh, Barry listened because it was the Lord. He goes to talk to the pastor, tells him about the work in Peru. The pastor writes a $3,000 check, bang, just like that. Whoa. And then he went to Peru, and he's written more checks, and he's, I think he's gone twice. The opportunities are all around for you, not just for missions, for you to touch the lives of that desperately needy individual, whoever they are, wherever they might be. Now, let's look at the Scripture. I want to give you two key examples out of the New Testament. Acts chapter 8. Oh, boy. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. Here he is. Do you know Philip? You know who, what he was? He was really an evangelist a real man of God. So chapter 8, <clears throat> and we'll read verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, whoa, <laughs> angel of the Lord, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I like it. So he started out. Would you please underline that? He obeyed the direction of the Lord through an angel. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now here it comes again, number two in verse 29. The spirit told Philip, this is the Holy Spirit now speaking to him. The angel got him going in the right direction now the Spirit tells him what to do. Go to the chariot and stay near it. And I love Philip's response, and I hope this will be your response. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? The man said, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with 
him. The eunuch was reading this passage. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. And so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Hmm. And so you can read the rest later. But the point here is the Holy Spirit directs us. But we must be in the moment with the Lord. Now, I told you I'm blunt, but I'm also a man that does things, you know, I have it all planned out for the day. And I try and do that so I'm not backtracking. If I have eight things to do, you know, I kind of make it flow together, make some sense. So I have my list, you know, I'm famous for lists. I've got it. I've got a list for India. I have a list for, you know, all over the world, all these different things going on on my desk on clipboards. And then I have some in my calendar, in my pocket. Oh, my goodness, I'm a list man. But even with that, I must be open to what the Lord is saying in the moment. We can become so busy, even in God's things, and they're all in the will of God, and we're doing them, but the Lord wants to put something right in that slot, or he wants you to take a little time right there. And so... Many times I have to say to people, I'll meet you at 2 o'clock. However, (laughs) if the Lord has me divert for a few minutes, I'll let you know if I'm going to be more than five minutes late. Sometimes there are the Lord's diversions. Are you willing to be in the moment with him? What a joy to think that the Lord has the ability because he knows everything, sees everything, hears everything. He's omniscient. Oh, my goodness that he can actually set these things up that way. I've shared this thought with you once before in one of the messages I preached, and, and so this message is bringing it back to you again because as good as it is here and as many new faces I see, that's great. I know some couldn't be here this morning, but I really want you to give pastor a mega problem. Fill this place up. I would love to see every seat being filled, people standing, people looking at the festival. What are you going to do, man? What are you going to do? We're full. You got to do something. People, some people just, they see that, they, they just walk right out. Now, you could put another string of chairs right across here, I guess. But at some point, you have to make a decision. Second service, bust out a wall, build something else, whatever. Give your pastor a problem. Win souls. Bring them here. Bring them here through your love, through your invite, through your giving, through inviting them to dinner, whatever. Be in the moment with the Lord. Now, some people hesitate. Oh, well, I have to pray about that. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's, sometimes you don't need to pray. If God, Philip didn't have to pray. An angel talked to him. The Holy Spirit talked to him. You don't need to pray. Go do what he said. <laughs> See? But some people love to have committee meetings. I know one church, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. They have so many committee meetings, Pastor. You would lose your mind. I mean, it's, it's off the charts. And then others, well, oh, well, no, we have to pray more about that. No, once God speaks, it's obedience he wants, not a committee meeting, not more prayer. Now, that doesn't mean you won't pray about other things. But on that issue, see, Philip, go to that chariot, boom. Do it. Well, 
Are you willing to go to the chariot <laughs> when it's an in-the-moment issue? Well, here's what the Lord is looking for, that instantaneous, unquestioning, absolute obedience without protest. And that's exactly what Philip did. Instantly he obeyed. He didn't question God. He did exactly what the Lord said. He went to the chariot. He didn't call for more elders to come with him. He didn't wait till the apostle showed up. Yes, sir. He's learned to salute the leader, the Lord. Now, your very first disciples should be your children. They are your most important disciples. Then God gives you others to disciple. That's all good. And they need to be discipled in this thing of instantaneous, absolute, unquestioning obedience. People at Willow Chapel many years ago when we first moved here in 1976 were astounded at our children's obedience, at least then. (laughs) You know, as they got to be a little older, well, they did a few things they shouldn't have done. But they were astounded that an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 5-year-old is totally obedient. And they asked me, well, how did you do that? I said, because their lives depended on it. (laughs) We had 240 current. You stand in water and stick your finger in that socket, you're in trouble. And kids do weird stuff. On a speedboat on the Amazon, if they're jumping up and down and running to the edge of the boat and fall in the river, (laughs) snakes, scorpions, tarantulas. One time, one snake dropped right out of the tree in the patio where little David was playing, my son David Pepper. He was maybe two and a half or something like that, maybe three. His older sister comes running in the room. Daddy, daddy, there's a snake right by David. I ran out. I said, David, freeze. He obeyed. His life depended on it. So everybody's amazed. How did you get your children to obey? <laughs> you can do it right here. You don't have to be in Peru. Hmm. Oh. Is the Holy Spirit stepping on some toes? See, I don't know who of you have kids out of control. But if the Lord just spoke to your heart, then respond. All right, let's move ahead. Number two, (laughs) I love this one. This is even better. Turn with me to Mark. Oh, boy. Mark chapter 2, and I'll start in verse 1. Mark 2, 1. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. I like this, underline it. Some men. Didn't say they were preachers. Didn't say that they had been to whatever. They were just some men. Bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. So they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, another translation says they tore it up, lowered the mat, The paralyzed man was laying on. Mm. They persisted in bringing a need to Jesus. And it wasn't their personal need. This was somebody else. It doesn't tell us if he was related, a friend, or a total stranger. But they were willing to bring to Jesus someone else. It took four men cooperating to do it. Now, when was the last time you busted somebody's roof? Well, that's a whole other story. Now, there'd be two issues. The owner could have been very upset. 
you have wrecked my roof. (laughs) Many places in those decades and centuries past, in that part of the world, the roofs were made of earthen materials. So they literally, it wasn't like a metal thing. So they dug through it to lower the man in. So the owner of the home could have been very upset. You've wrecked my roof. Or when he saw, well, Jesus is already preaching there. (laughs) And then he sees the faith of these men, the need of the paralytic. And then the guy gets miraculously healed. And Jesus, in the meantime, is teaching other things as well. I mean, if they wrecked your roof and all that happened, you'd say, man, I've got a Holy Ghost roof. (laughs) In the moment, are you ready to be a roof buster in the moment? Hmm. Some years ago in Peru, we took a team, and I knew something was wrong when we got on the plane in Miami, and there was our my team of a dozen or whatever and another group, and I talked to them, and they were Christian, and nobody else. Two Christian groups. This plane was always full. Uh oh. We land in Iquitos, and then we knew what was going on. Get off the airplane. Here's men with machine guns, military everywhere. The president of Peru tried to calm a long standing problem between Peru and Ecuador over some silly piece of land, completely worthless, no city, no roads just something in the jungle that connected their two countries. And the President Peru just said, we're going to give it to you. Let's, let's have peace about this. It's ridiculous. We're wasting all this money and soldiers defending a piece of land that isn't worth anything. It's yours. Well, the people, and he should have warned the people in the jungle. He didn't. He just did that. So they thought, what's he going to do next? Is he going to give our city away? So they went nuts and promptly burnt every federal building in Iquitos. I mean, every one of them. Burned them to the ground, destroyed them. Well, right away then, martial law was declared. The federal people came in. <clears throat> and so here I'm bringing a team to do all kinds of stuff, and there was all kinds of, you know, <laughs> restrictions. You couldn't do anything at night. You could only do things in the daytime with permission. But our president of our mission at that time, Nestor, knew the leaders of the riot. He literally knew some of them. So he went to them and said, look, The founder of the mission has brought these people. You know our work. You know what we do. We do nothing but good. We only are here to bless and to help. And so would you stop all this stuff so we can have them do what God wants them to do? They said, how long? I think he said 12 days. I think that's what it was. Okay. So the rioters stopped. They were calm for 12 days. We were able to do everything we were set to do. And the last group was in the city of Ricana, about a four or five hour, six hour boat ride back to Iquitos. The last day, this 12th day, they were coming back, getting on a plane and leaving. The rest of us were already in the process of leaving that day. Well, the rioters figured, okay, 12th day, we can start again. So they started up as this team was coming back. And that team saw all kinds of weird stuff, but they returned home safely. Are you willing to talk to a rioter? Are you willing in the moment to do whatever God asks you to do? Sometimes, believe it or not, it's for your direct benefit. Other times it's for someone else. But the main thing is you're obeying what the Spirit has told you. Mm. I love it. I love it. 
in the moment. Have you guys been in the moment? Are you willing, like Philip was, to go to the chariot? Are you willing to dig through the roof? Hmm. My wife had her 82nd birthday back in September. So I said, let's take whatever the family is here that wants to go to a nice restaurant out Settlers Bay on Connect Road. Okay. And I think, I don't know if there was 11 of us there or whatever. So we had a great meal. It was all good. And at the end, the waiter came with his helper and stood there. I'd I'd paid the bill. And uh, he just stood there. He said, we were getting ready to leave, so he wasn't being wrong in any way. He said, can I talk to you a few minutes? I said, sure. He said, you know, I heard you preach once, and I heard your son preach once, really. He said, since then, I've been in jail and been released, (laughs) and I have a job here now as a waiter. And uh, he was asking the right questions about being discipled. I mean, the perfect questions. I was shocked total stranger coming up to me like that. I don't remember who he was. And so I answered his questions, gave him an illustration or two. And at the end, you know, there was such a hunger in this man, such a, a, a goodness in his spirit. And I said to him, his name is Frank, Frank, the Lord smiles on you today. And the guy begins to weep. Hmm. Okay. We left. And then I got thinking about this. Something's up with this guy. So I didn't get his full name. I didn't get his phone number, but my secretary is like a kiki. She knows how to do things. And I said, uh, Jenna, find out. I got to talk to this guy. So she knew somebody that knew somebody that knew him that could get, so she got the phone number. I said, I want to invite you (coughs) to our missions conference night. It'll be a great dinner. You and your wife, you're invited. Now, the problem was this. I like to always have a whole table where people can come that I invite. Well, they messed that up, and so it didn't happen. But there was one table left with four seats. I thought, okay, what I'll do, my wife can sit at the original table and talk to the people that wanted to talk to us, and then I'll be there with Frank and his wife, but I want to invite I guess I had five seats or whatever at this other table. But I said, I I need to invite another couple. I just felt I should invite. Now, I know a lot of people in in the valley. I mean, a lot of people, okay, between the Palmer Church and Wasilla and Talkeetna and Willow and all that. I thought, I'm going to invite Mike Sandstrom and his wife, Timmy. Timmy can sit with my wife at the other table, and Mike can sit with me. So Mike and Timmy, now just imagine, of all the people I could have asked to come, when we get there, Mike says, oh, I know Frank. What? You know Frank? Yeah. Hmm. Do you see God working behind the scenes? Sometimes, see, it's not our, somebody say, oh, man, Pepper, you're a genius. (laughs) Man, all I did was, God, I need to invite another couple. And the Lord puts them in my mind up all the many hundreds and hundreds of people I know. And then Mike just happened to know Frank and his wife, Denali. Amazing. And so they felt even more at ease when they saw Mike at the table with me. 
And so we were able to talk about more things in the Lord, about discipleship. He was blessed. And I told him, I'm not asking you to come to give. I'm asking you to come to be blessed at that night when, and I think that night, a million fifty-four thousand dollars went to missions. Oh, yes, praise God. And one night, a million fifty-four thousand. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They were blessed. Are you willing to live in the moment? Today, when you leave here, I don't know what restaurant we're going to, but maybe there's somebody waiting there. Maybe on your way home at the gas station, wherever, there will be opportunities like this. And see, here's the thing. God sets this stuff up. You've got to believe that. If you don't later, you read Ephesians one uh, eleven and 2.10. Read that. Read Romans 8.28 down to 30-something. Yeah, and you'll see God sets stuff up. But he's waiting for those that will be willing to be in the moment to change your schedule. To do something you've never done. You may have to be a roof buster. You may have to talk to terrorists that are destroying a city. You may have to invite a waiter. Now, sometimes it costs money. I paid for Frank and his wife to come to. That's fine. Okay. Are you willing to put everything on the line for the Lord? Everything. Your time, your money, your vacation, the fun stuff. This morning, the Eagles are playing some Titans. That's my team. I'm from, I was born in Philadelphia. Don't tell me if you know the score, please. I recorded it. But I would have loved to have been at home with a few of the family watching that, but I'm supposed to be here. So it wasn't even a choice. I just recorded it. And the best record in football. They might actually go to the Super Bowl, you know. But if during the Super Bowl I happen to be in, and I may be in Belize or whatever I could be, okay, that's okay. What's more important? What's more important? A life, a ministry, a calling. Every one of you has a gift and a talent and an opportunity. I've told you before, this morning, if, if there would be with children and people, if there are 80 or 100 people, Many of you know a lot of people they will never, ever see. They will never preach to. They will never contact, but you know them. And so you can be the roof buster. You can be the one that invites the waiter. The Lord's just asking you, are you willing to be in the moment with him? Yes, absolutely, positively, you need time to wait on the Lord. And I want to close reading to you a verse out of different translations. You don't have to worry about it on the board. Psalm 89, 15. In the Amplified, it says, I leave you with this verse in other translations. Amplified. They walk, O Lord, in the light and favor of your countenance. Ooh. But I like this one. They shall proceed under the smile of thy face, O Jehovah. Literally, and that's what I said to Frank, the waiter, the Lord smiles upon you. As you obey the Lord in the moment, he will smile upon you. Young people at school, there may be somebody there that you can really affect for the Lord.
Are you willing? Stand with me right now. I know normally you go another 15 or so minutes, but I wanted just a little time for you to process what I've said and maybe take a minute or two here in silent prayer and ask the Lord, Lord, have I been in the moment with you to obey? Have I? Hmm. Lord, is there something now? Maybe you just need to make a renewed commitment to the Lord. As of this day forward, when I leave this building, Lord, I want to be in the moment with you, whatever that is. Yes, we plan. Believe me, the, the Pakistan-Ghana thing took a lot of plan and preparation and work and notes and sending them off, getting them translated and all this, that, and the other. Yes, there's all of that, of course, but there's also being in the moment. And that means a person like myself, <laughs> with all my plans and schedules and lists. <laughs> so I have to work at that a little more than some of you that are used to it. But if I can do it, and especially at 81, you know, at 81, your bod has problems. <laughs> aches and pains and whatever. So don't tell me that that's keeping you from doing what the Lord wants. Heavenly Father, I thank you now for this congregation of people. Somehow I have had this burden to share this message today. And I think it's for two reasons. One, as a general message and statement for everybody here to consider to Always be willing to be in the moment when an angel or the Holy Spirit or something directly out of the word of God speaks to your heart or your pastor, elder in the church, asks you about something, that you'll do it. But then also, Lord, even this very day and through this week, I pray that everyone here would say each day before they leave their home, Heavenly Father, what is it in the moment that you would have of me this week? As you continue to hold before the Lord, do you realize that there are people literally desperate at wit's end and God wants you to be in the moment for that individual. Pastor Luke, Pastor Jay, they can't do it all. Heavenly Father, speak to these people now. Open their hearts to be in the moment with God people. Let's take at least 60 seconds right now and just silent prayer.
Another way to look at this, Frank the waiter was in the moment with God when he came up to the end of that birthday party and said, may I ask you some questions? He was in the moment. I asked him, how many times have you done that? (laughs) Up to then, I guess, never. Lord, I pray that there's going to be people that will come to the folks here of Maranatha in the moment with their need, with their question, with their petition. Mm. Help us, Lord, to be willing to respond properly to that. Whether it's to go to the chariot, bust a roof, invite a waiter, talk to rioters, whatever it may be. Bless the people as they leave here. Give them testimonies so that by next week, or two weeks at the most, before Christmas, they will have had opportunities, plural, where they have been in the moment. The blessing is not only for the person that they minister to, but then the blessing is theirs. My wife was not offended or upset that that happened at the end of her birthday celebration. She counted it a blessing, a joy. So God bless you, Maranatha. Pastor. Thank you, Bill. I was thinking as we were closing about uh, how sometimes the reason we don't want to be flexible is because we're afraid we'll fail God if we step out. Have you ever felt that way? Like if I do this, maybe I'm missing, mishearing God or missing it. God's able to take our obediences and turn them into his successes. Remember that uh, he's the God who will bring every enemy under his feet. He's victorious. And so that means that if we fail at trying to serve him, if we don't feel like it goes as successfully as we think it should. I preached a lot of times at this pulpit. Sometimes it goes better than other times. And, you know, sometimes when I'm most discouraged about how I felt it went, somebody will come with a comment and say, that really touched me today. And so it, we don't, we're not always the best judge of what is successful and what's not. The big and important thing is that we're available to God. When we went to Peru and uh, with One Nation one day, we had one of our words that we kind of had swirling around our mission team was flexibilidad. Anybody know what that means? <laughs> it's Spanish for be flexible. Flexibility. We have to be flexible when we serve God. So thank you, Bill, for sharing with us today. Would you, would you make it the dedication of your heart today as we prepare uh, to close our service here to be available to God in the moment? Lord, we're just offering to you our lives. We realize your agenda is more important than our agenda. Your schedule is bigger than ours. Yours has eternal consequences, and ours often has to do with temporal things. And I pray you help us to see the difference, see the uniqueness, and help us to remember the obligation we also have to you, that we're not our own. We're bought with a price. We belong to you, our schedules and all. And I'm asking God that you would stir our hearts to be yours every moment of the day, not on Sundays just for a couple hours or Wednesdays, but all the time, every day. Let our every breath and our every decision be to your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.